Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. Once again, we're so glad you've decided to join us. Here we are pushing, um, I believe, 200 episodes. We're getting close to that. And um, yeah, it's amazing. So, oh, and I'm Joel Grote. (laughs) And I'm Lynn Wilder, and this is the Unveiling Grace podcast. Welcome. (laughs) We have a visitor today. And um, this is Ray Adams. Ray and I just connected, I would say, in the last couple of weeks. And when he told me his story to Jesus, I said, oh, people have to hear this. I think you're going to absolutely love Ray's story. Ray is from Tooele, Utah. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us about growing up LDS. Um, so I was, uh, I'm the father of 11 children at the moment between two marriages. Uh, most of my children are LDS at the moment, or I have a couple of, uh, atheist agnostics. Um, what else? I'm a, I'm an engineer by trade at the moment and, uh, raised, raised in West Point, Utah and pretty heavily LDS, uh, area I, most of the time growing up I don't remember I mean there was always those people that they don't go to church <laughs> we, we had neighbors that were in LDS but they were partiers and drinkers and there was nothing about their lifestyle that was appetizing and so r- pretty much growing up all I knew was Mormonism all my my relatives pretty much were at, at least they subscribed that they were LDS you know I have some aunts that didn't go to church or um, later activated. So were your parents both generational Mormons then also? Like how far, how far back does the lineage go? My father is about a, I think he's third generation. I know Okay. his, his grandfather came straight to Utah from England. May have been, may have been uh, proselytized. I haven't studied it too hard. Um, sure. But my mother's a convert. She, her, uh, my grandpa was in the Air Force and they moved, they lived all over the world. And uh, she came to Utah. She got introduced to the, the LDS faith and uh, converted. And so my dad had just returned from his mission when she came in the area and they met and got married. And I'm the oldest of seven kids in that family. Okay. And are they wow. pretty much still in the church? So I have a brother, my brother that's, uh, there's a sister and then a, my brother that's third in line. He converted probably 20 years ago to Christianity. He lives in Pinedale, Wyoming, and uh, he got introduced. His his wife was raised uh, Christian. And so okay. they tried to convert her to Mormonism and she backed out. And so he followed her then. So <laughs> influenced him towards Christianity. And uh, so he, he was always you know, trying to 
trying to plant seeds and you know i was just like oh you christians you know so oh, what wait was a minute explore that what does that mean what does that mean to you when you were lds well you know it just you get in that mindset that you think you know you're just just pounded into you we have the one true church we have the one true church there's nothing else don't look don't ask don't don't investigate because you know this is it this is you know and it, it, the truth dad, starts here the truth ends here the truth is all contained here why even look anywhere else yeah i mean it's just this the more i look at it from the outside it's like an ostrich with their head in the sands like la 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 i don't want to hear i don't want to hear anything because i know what i know and and you can't tell me anything and there's nothing you know i've already got the truth so why you know why even bother listening to you so what for you would have been common characteristics then of those Christians? Um, I, honestly, my brother's the only one that I really, I never really got approached by Christians for any, you know, I mean, it, it, the, the only other experience I could say is my, my aunt, my mother's sister, um, she would change religions every few years. And then she'd come to our house, tell us we were going to hell and <laughs> And really never gave us any kind of a message of hope or anything, just that you're lost, you're going to hell. And, uh, Mormon, you know, Mormons don't, you know, don't have it, but she never really tried to teach us the gospel. And yeah. so yeah, I never Not really, particularly effective. Christians aren't super in Utah. They're really not very prevalent. You really have to go looking for Christians you won't, you, you know, most of the time you won't find them. I never went to, you know, like I didn't go to general conference in person. I didn't do. Any didn't go to the pageants or anything like that. I went to the pageants, but the, when I, when I went to the pageant, actually I was in the pageant with my kids several years. Which one? The Manti pageant? The Manti pageant. Okay. And uh, so we were so far away from the the Christians that were handing out anti-Mormon stuff. And it, like I said, it's really, a, you got this wall up, like, I don't care what you say. I, you know, yeah, I know Jesus, you know, and yeah, but I, I honestly never had a discussion with a Christian. Never got exposed to it. Okay. Well, no, I think having lived in Utah too, that sometimes Christians are almost I have to be careful because I don't want to generalize, but sometimes less bold in Utah, right? They don't want to offend the Mormons. So Christians not wanting to offend the Mormons means that Mormons often don't hear the Christian message, right? I was literally in my mid fifties before I got offered the gospel of grace, and that was because I read the word, not because some Christian told me, particularly. Yeah, well, and, and that, so the only real experience that I had, so when my first wife and I got divorced, we were in living in Manti. I had had a recent head injury. I was a over-the-road truck driver, and I had fallen and cracked my skull, and I was kind of laid up, and so they cornered me and drug me into this uh couples counseling group that was mainly related to pornography and pornography addiction. And um, so we, we were going to that, we were going to counseling, trying to fix our marriage. And 
uh, in that time, I started reading, I started doing a lot of topical research. And, and so I would just look in the topical guide, I would get all of the scriptures throughout the whole canon. And I would just start reading through and I'd hit the Bible. And I just love it. I'd just be feeling these great, you know, just really talking to me in the Bible. And then I'd get to the Doctrine and Covenants and the Book of Mormon. And I'm just like not feeling anything, not getting anything. If anything, it was like I was really starting to see Joseph Smith for what he was, and, you know, and, and really a lot of the a lot of the stuff in the Doctrine and Covenants is really kind of vindictive and weird, you know, and I, I, I'm yeah, looking some at of, it, some like, it gets pretty personal against people. Yeah. Like really, is this, is was this worthy of, of putting in, in the canon of the, you know, the, is this something I really need to know? Like, how does this have any bearing on my situation? And I really could never apply much of it. Um, anyway, we were there in Manti and, uh, with this missionary group and they told me if you don't do what we tell you to do we're going to get you excommunicated or disfellowshipped from the LDS uh, yeah I couldn't do what they wanted me to do they what they wanted me to do really was to be exactly perfect and walk on you know like I, I just had to become translated right there in order to meet their their demands <laughs> and what my ex-wife was asking for and so I finally gave up and I just told her, I said, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to work out. Like, I just don't see it, it happening. And uh, so wow. they, they decided to excommunicate me. And uh, when I, I w I'm reading the scriptures every day, I'm listening to uplifting music. I, I really tried to purify my life at the time. And uh, before I went into the, uh, the excommunication hearing, I said, you know, God, if, uh, if my path is as a Mormon, then I'll be disfellowshipped or, or disciplined today. If I'm excommunicated, I'll know there's another path here. You know, I don't know what to have in store. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, even, so even through all this, you still have a very real personal faith in God as this supreme being who is willing and wanting to direct your life. Um, oh, I, I mean, you walk outside and you look at the sun and the things the the grass, you know, just the, the beautiful clouds that roll over the, you know, God's wonder, you, you know, you can't spend, in my opinion, you can't be on the top of a mountain and look at all of that amazing glory and not know that, that there's a God, you know, yeah. I mean, if you can deny God when you're out there, just all the things I, I have always had known there was God and, and, uh, you know, it's taken some time to parse out the Mormon doctrine and come to, you know, understand Jesus Christ. So anyway, I go into this uh, excommunication hearing and uh, I think I spent about 45 minutes talking to the high council and then the missionary couple from the group spent about an hour and a half talking to the council and I left the room because I really didn't like those people at that time and I really didn't want to even hear what they had to say yeah. and uh, I come back in and they say well we don't know why we're doing this but we feel like we should excommunicate you today so they excommunicated me for actions unbecoming a member of the LDS faith wow and so that was so think, to you that was your answer yeah I got I got my answer that day and uh, 
I wish that I, you know, I, I was a little downtrodden at the time. I was like, really, you know, that I haven't done any, there's no smoking gun here. I haven't, I haven't had an extramarital affair. I haven't, I haven't done anything, but disagree with this uh, other people over here. And, but I was grateful for that confirmation, but but you did have a porn addiction, right? And they were aware, and that was their main yes. issue with you, right? Yeah, and that that was part of the problem. Was is through the whole process, I I wrote down a lot of inside thoughts on paper, and uh, my ex wife got a hold of it, and she she broadcast it to people and told them, oh, you know, oh, so sh- all my inside thoughts that I was going through trying to recover from you know I'm going through the 12 step program and uh, but these things ended up being kind of good things in your life because they helped you turn a different direction right yeah well it got me out of the LDS church with a really clean like one of the things that they did is they locked my records in Manti Utah and so if, if I were to want to become a Mormon again, I would have to go to those people and prove to them that I'd done whatever criteria they wanted me to meet. And in order to even think about getting my, my membership status back. Wow. So well, they, they absolutely, I mean, it was a clean cut. It was like, <laughs> whack separation yeah, from the, slammed church, the door and, sealed. and threw some deadbolts in <laughs> so when and how do you get introduced to the god of the bible then because you have this belief in god but obviously there's there's some differences between the god of the bible and the jesus of the bible and the whole way you enter into a right relationship with him how, how does that happen then in your life when does so, it happen <laughs> I, I wandered in the desert after I got excommunicated. I kind of went uh, agnostic, really didn't didn't know where to go, didn't know what, you know, I, I mean, I, I'd been taught all this time that all these churches are wrong. So where, you know, where does a fella go when you just want to believe in Jesus? <laughs> and so I did, I, and I married, I ended up living with uh, my second wife for a while and then we got married and she was a very selfish, um, very into her wicked ways uh, person. And so there was not a lot of uh, investigation into, I think her and I once went to the, the church of the rock in Provo, Utah, when we lived mm-hmm. in Orem. didn't really feel much there. Didn't, you know, just thought, Oh, it's, it's all right. But you know, not really my thing. And she wasn't really, she was another raised LDS, went, went off the deep end, got divorced from her first husband. And just, she really wasn't into finding a religion. And so, um, fact, if anything, she, she fed into the, uh, the fire on the other side and, uh, got us into some pretty bad stuff. And after about five years of that, I said, I'm done and I'm, I'm you know, I can't take this anymore. I divorced her. And, uh, shortly after that, I met my current wife and, uh, uh, we got married, uh, in 2016 and, okay. you know, really wasn't 
looking for God, really. You know, I mean, I just going along, living life. And, you know, I had the belief in the back. And I, I worked with a gentleman over at Mighty Light that uh, he's, he's, he doesn't believe in the current Mormon church, but he believes Joseph Smith was a prophet. And so he was, him and I would have discussions all the time and wasn't really sure about that. But I was, about two years ago, I listened to Jonathan Kahn's The Harbinger uh, 2. And uh, through that, it woke me up that, hey, I, I'm missing something in my life. I, there's, there's a void here that I need to uh, find. And I, I wouldn't say I'm the worst porn addict in the world. I'd just look on, a, on my phone on occasion. I kept it real quiet. My wife really didn't even know or care that I did. It wasn't a huge issue, issue to her. Occasionally we'd look at it together, but, uh, and this was your, your third wife, your my third, third wife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, but did you uh, feel like, did you feel like it was an issue that you wanted resolution for, or, you know, it was something I always hated. It felt, I always felt that guilt in the background, I always felt, and, and I didn't, really understand how to get rid of this how you know and I was always looking for the you know buying things that you know there was always a new thing a new car new something new trying to fill this void and and I never really understood what I was doing other than just trying to fill a hole and uh, so after I read the harbinger I decided let's, uh, let's go find a local church. Let's go, you know, let's go see where, you know, what, what's, what's available. So we drove around our town at Tooele and there's probably a half a dozen churches beside LDS churches. There might even be more. It seemed like somebody said 13. I didn't find all 13. I, we, we went to the new life Christian fellowship and, uh, we parked in the parking lot and we thought about it and, We'd missed the service. It was probably about noon when we'd gotten up because we'd been to the bar the night before. And uh, so we we got on Facebook, got on the local uh, Tooele 411, they call it, said, hey, who's the Christian church that was selling fireworks? Because we'd met them, we'd bought fireworks the year before. Uh, they did a fireworks booth to raise the funds. And so they told okay. us New Life Christian Fellowship. We walked in and they just, enveloped us in this big hug and and uh so did you go back then a different time after because you said the first time you went you were just in the parking lot and the service was over um yeah so you went back a second time then to it and actually caught it while there was a service in process we went we went the next week to the service and uh, we just got enveloped and got invited to a life group almost immediately and uh, through the life group one of the ladies sent me a uh, some videos to uh, Dan Muller, who uh, he does a, I think it's a 51 day class of school of the king of kingdom living. And uh, I was on about day eight and he was talking about uh, looking in your life and finding those things that, uh, that you really don't like that you, you know, finding all the sin, digging down deep and, and just pull it out and give it, give it to God. And, and the other thing that was foreign to me is he said, you're a sinner. You are, 
born a sinner and there is not one thing that you can do in this life to save yourself. You can't be good enough on your own. And the light bulb just came on. I was like, what? <laughs> really? So right then and there I did, you know, I, I just gave, I gave my porn addiction to, to, uh, to Jesus and, uh, and he, his spirit came to live inside me right that moment that day this overwhelming feeling of peace in came to, you know, and it's been over a year now. Uh, that was, uh, May 21st, 2021. And, uh, I haven't looked at porn uh, since then. I have no desire to look at it. And, uh, just this resounding peace lives in my life. And wow. Know him more. <laughs> So when did that happen in relationship to your coming to personal faith in Christ? It was um, instantaneous. I mean, I always knew it was, it's kind of funny. You, you ask that because I always kind of knew there was a difference between the Mormon Jesus and, and, and uh, the Jesus of the Bible. I, I just, and, and I used to say I, in the past, I, right after I got excommunicated, I said to my father, I said, because my, my parents kind of disowned me for a while. They wrote me letters. They, they sent me a letter from the mission field asking me not to come to their homecomings. And oh, um, wow. they, they sent me a letter saying, don't ask us to borrow money or to do, we're not, we're not going to help you in your, your life of sin. And, um, and I, I told my dad <laughs> once, I said, I don't know who your Jesus is, but I feel like, the Jesus of the Bible is different. Like the Jesus that I know that I feel isn't, doesn't treat people that way. Like, you know, I read the Bible stories. Jesus, Jesus hung out with the sinners. <laughs> Jesus didn't ostracize people. And so I, I, over the course of, of, even, even when I was a Mormon, I always felt like, well, I guess to go back in history, I left the church when I was 17. And at that point in time, just because I'd slept with my girlfriend and Bishop was threatening to excommunicate me. So I ran away from the church. Yep. So I ended up getting married to my first wife. I was married to her for probably at least seven years or, or more before I got pulled back into the church. And so coming from the outside back in, I always had a different perspective because that really opened my eyes and so I never quite understood the neighbors that would say well my kids can't play with your kids or my kids can't play with non-Mormon kids and even as a Mormon I was kind of shocked because I had neighbors whose kids couldn't play with my kids because we had guns or we had you know there was always some reason why they thought we weren't as devout as they were we weren't as pure as they were and really like is that you know that kind of stuff always baffled me yeah so lynn um is that at all typical is there a sense within lds culture at least maybe in utah where you always try to connect up so you always make sure you're making connections maybe with people who are at your level spiritually or even maybe above you spiritually but you don't ever make associations you don't reach out make friendships with people who you might deem as like less worthy or less dedicated to the church? I mean, is that- is That, that is just a what... really 
Yeah, that's a good question, Joel. Um, because in Mormonism, you believe that the Holy Ghost leaves people who sin or are in places uh, where there would be sin, right? You don't want to be with those people. I mean, they're not going to gain you anything. They're not going to help you become perfect. They're not going to get you to the temple. Um, for a long time, there was a policewoman in Boston questioning her faith. She was LDS and she used to call me up and she said the church kept telling her that when she went into the bars, even though she was working for her police work, the Holy Spirit would leave her and she had no protection, right? That is not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible wow. teaches, like Ray Adams, you surrender your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit sets up residence in you and it's there forever. There's nothing you can do that would make the, <laughs> you get snatched out of Jesus's hand. Once you are his, you are his. And I'm sorry we're at the end of this episode, Joel. Oh my heart, okay. Well, um, there's definitely more to Ray's story that we've got to hear. So Ray, we're just gonna invite you to go to a part two with us. <laughs> and okay. um, I wanna maybe pick up here with this and then just what the difference then, um, even the, the cultural or religious spiritual difference and how we perceive other people around us. And this idea that, you know, the spirit doesn't leave a believer, it, it's the seal of promise. So. Let's start there when we come back. And yeah, wow. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate you being with us. Thank you for having and me. It's been a pleasure. We will see you next week. Um, grace and peace to you, friends. Until next time. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.